Hi, welcome to On Jordan, a podcast in the latest developments in Jordanian politics, featuring interviews with experts from across the Hashemite Kingdom. My name is Aaron Magan, a former Mom-based journalist now in Washington. The International Monetary Fund has played an important role in Jordan since King Hussein first turned to the Washington, D.C.-based organization in 1989. For nearly 30 years, the IMF has worked with Amman in trying to reduce the country's national debt and boost Jordan's overall economic health. At the same time, the relationship has been unpopular with some Jordanians, as certain protest groups blame the IMF for soaring unemployment and ongoing fiscal woes. Yet, the current Jordanian government continues to work with the IMF. In November, Finance Minister Mohamed El Assis credited the IMF-backed reforms with producing the best results. To better understand these complex dynamics, it's great to welcome Leith Elejlouni to the podcast. Leith is a Jordanian political economist based in Amman. His articles have appeared in the Middle East Institute, the Atlanta Council, and Harvard University's Belfer Center. So Leith, why did Jordan first start working with the IMF? The Jordanian cooperation with the IMF goes back to 1989, when the very well-known protest started uh, in Jordan. The economic situation in Jordan was very difficult, where the government had to remove uh, many subsidies and the Jordanian dinar change rate has has changed uh, due to the financial crisis that Jordan had. So since then, Jordan had to deal with the IMF's uh, monetary and fiscal situation. Moving forward about a decade, when King Abdullah took over Jordan in 1999, did he change Jordan's policy towards the IMF? I think the relationship with the IMF, it's not about who's the king in Jordan. It's more of a ministerial cabinet governmental uh, uh, decision whether to engage with the IMF or not. But we can say that after King Abdullah became the king of Jordan, after only five years, Jordan ended its its cooperation with the IMF. We say that we graduated in 2004 from the IMF. So Jordan finished all the required uh, fiscal reforms in the first five years under under King Abdullah. And after that, we stopped the reform programs with the IMF from 2004 until 2012. Uh, And what pushed us back to the IMF in 2012 was a, a CV fiscal crisis that Jordan faced after the Arab Spring and uh, uh, especially when Jordan started to suffer from uh, interruptions and and gas supplies from Egypt when it was under the rule of the Muslim Brotherhood. You mentioned that Jordan graduated from the IMF in 2004 during the beginning of King Abdullah's reign. What did he do so well that allowed for such success? Uh, Because Jordan had to take many difficult decisions in the beginning from 1989 until uh, 2004. We knew that protests happened in 1989, we know that protests happened in 1996, and many reforms continued. But King Abdullah was very committed, the governments of King Abdullah in the beginning were very committed to fiscal reform, were very committed to privatization, opening the economy. We worked hard to become a member state in the World Trade Organization and the Jordanian economy in that period was booming. From 1999 until around 2008, economic growth rates in Jordan reached 7% in some years 8%. 
So the Jordanian economy was doing well, reforms were going well, but yes, there were many, many mistakes, uh, especially on the political side. I wrote about that in my article. Uh, the Jordanian government, at least it was on the right path back then for uh, economic reform. So in general, what are the IMF priorities when working with Jordan? The IMF priorities uh, sometimes differ. Uh, by country. Usually the, it's claimed that the IMF has only one policy for all countries, which is austerity. However, when it comes to the Jordanian situation, yes, austerity has been always there. So the relationship with the IMF uh, between Jordan and the IMF was more of a cooperation uh, relationship rather than a relationship where the IMF just tells Jordan what it has to do. So, but what we can say that the IMF priority in Jordan in general in broad terms is uh, uh, fiscal reform. In the last uh, few years, especially after the COVID crisis, we can say uh, that the IMF policy toward Jordan has started to move toward more Keynesian economics where the IMF started to care more about structural reform and promoting economic growth rather than just focusing on fiscal consolidation. Jordan is, is, is trying to fulfill what the IMF asks in terms of improving uh, the government revenue. However, some reform needs political will, like tackling tax evasion, formalizing the informal economy, reforming the public sector, and others. So usually the Jordanian government deals with the IMF requirements by, by going to the easiest solutions, which are raising taxes, removing subsidies, and so on. Why do you say that raising taxes is an easy solution for the Jordanian government? Because generally raising taxes causes a lot of discontent uh, among the citizens. Uh, first of all, from technical a technical point of view, usually raising the sales tax, which is the case in Jordan, or raising taxes on, on fuel, is way easier for the government to collect rather than going and tackling tax evasion. Because, for example, we know very well in Jordan that there are certain social classes or, for example, the professional medical doctors and engineers and lawyers, not easy uh, to collect uh, income taxes from these people due to their tax evasion behavior. This needs political will when you go to the people and collect the taxes and go to court to punish tax evaders. It's much riskier and it can embark more discontent and tec from technical point of view, it's more difficult than the easy solution of adding 16% tax on goods and services that are sold in the market. And when you're referring to reforming the public sector in terms of one of the IMF goals, you mean to cut down the size or the number of Jordanian employees who work for the government? To cut down the size, to restructure the, the public sector, to put uh, the right people in the right places. Many uh, governmental uh, entities uh, are inflated with employees, they are oversized, while other uh, entities that are very important for improve for development in Jordan, like the Ministry of Health, are understaffed. So it's important to, to rethink and restructure the public sector in order to, to improve the efficiency of this sector 
and also in order to fix the development issues that the country is suffering from in terms of education and health. During the Arab Spring, why did Jordanian protesters cite the IMF as one of their main grievances? Usually the public deal with what they perceive or what they know. Uh, the public perception was that the uh, IMF has big influence uh, in Jordan. But uh, uh, the thing is that usually the Jordanian governments use uh, the IMF as a scapegoat. So, for example, if you look at the 2018 protests and you analyze where they come from, it, it was uh, a tax and income taxation reform. Uh, amendment for the law and a complete governmental uh, initiative to reform the, the law this way. Uh, uh, the IMF recommendation was clear, which is widening the, the base of, of taxpayers. But what happened is that the government, instead of widening the base of taxpayers through tackling tax evasion, what happened is is that the government just increased the, the base of taxpayers by reducing uh, exemptions on Jordanians. Uh, so the government again went to the easier solution. The, such sort of a behavior led uh, Jordanians always to believe that these policies come from the IMF and that's why it affected how Jordanians think about the IMF. And it always happened with sales taxes, fuel taxes, and so on. I don't want to be the IMF advocate, but this is what we see in the documents. If you look at the IMF recommendations, many of them had to do with improving, for example, female economic participation, uh, improving skills of Jordanians so we reduce unemployment, fixing NIP uh, and many other issues besides raising taxes or, or, or reducing exemptions. So you're saying that the IMF hasn't been significantly pressuring Jordan in the past few decades? I don't think that, you know, I've attended few meetings with IMF staff and from what I saw, uh, uh, the IMF policy in general was not aggressive toward Jordan. And, you know, look at the other countries that get funding from the IMF. We are the easiest country to get uh, funding from the IMF. So I think the, the, the IMF did not follow an aggressive policy uh, toward Jordan. However, the government usually used the IMF as a scapegoat to implement some unpopular uh, policies. What do you mean by Jordan is one of the easiest countries to get funding from the IMF? So Jordan never found any issue in getting the IMF funding. It's clear that the Jordan is influential within the IMF board, so it's easy for Jordan to get funding. Jordan's uh, good relationship and partnership with the U.S., uh, support for Jordan from the international financial institutions, it's driven by political decisions made in D.C., rather than technical decisions made by these institutions. When in the past 30 or 35 years has there been the greatest amount of tension between the IMF and the Jordanian government? So 2018 was the year with, with the most tension uh, between Jordan and the IMF. The, the IMF was pushing toward more structural reforms in Jordan, uh, while the government in Jordan went to 
the easy solution which is uh, uh, reducing exemptions on income taxation so it's, it can widen uh, the tax base that the government in Jordan under Dr. Hani al-Mulqi back then uh, used the IMF again and uh, as a scapegoat and I remember attending a meeting with, with some IMF professionals they just told the, 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 the government of Jordan guys you have a lot of uh, uh, economic reform plans just implement them the IMF likes Jordan the IMF the professionals usually want to work with Jordan, wants to help with Jordan, but the issue always was that Jordan is, does not want really to help itself. But if Jordan is unable or unwilling to implement some of these structural reforms, would there ever be a case where the IMF just says, we're not going to continue providing Jordan with aid? I never saw that, to be honest. And at the end of the day, what what influences the, the IMF as an institution, as the board, and Jordan is influential with the board uh, in both the IMF and the World Bank. Jordan, again, enjoys a very good relationship with the U.S., with its different institutions. This relationship is helping Jordan in dealing with the IMF and getting the, all the support it's getting. But is Jordan influential on the IMF board solely because of its relationship with the United States, or is there an, another factor as well? It's more of Jordan's relationship with the IMF board, especially uh, with the existence of major countries that are Jordan, Jordan's allies, like some uh, GCC countries and the, the US and, and Europe, uh, some European countries. So all of these are important factors to, to improve the Jordanian position within the board of the IMF. So Ali Abbas, who heads the IMF mission in Jordan, has recently offered praise of the Jordanian government's economic policies. Can you please elaborate what he finds favorable? The IMF usually recognizes the Jordanian uh, success in, in fiscal consolidation in terms of improving local uh, domestic revenues. Uh, so I think that's what he means. Uh, also, after COVID, the government of Jordan did very well in terms of tackling tax evasion. It's not enough yet. Uh, there's a lot of much harder work to do, but the government was able to improve its tax revenues by tackling tax evasion. And how influential would you say the IMF is today overall in Jordan? I think the IMF and the World Bank are playing a very good role in terms of helping Jordan and supporting Jordan to go for economic reform. However, it's not about the influence of the IMF, rather than it's who is the Prime Minister of Jordan and who is the Minister of Finance. If these two people are cooperative uh, with the IMF and they are convinced that they should do more in terms of fiscal reform in the country, then we can say sometimes some people would describe that as an IMF influence, just because the government believes in the necessity of fiscal reform. But I won't say that the IMF is very influential, and I won't say that the IMF is not influential at the same time, it depends on the dynamic uh, between the government of, of Jordan and the IMF. The IMF is supporting uh, the government in, of Jordan. So, for example, if we look at the case of, of the national uh, electricity company, uh, NIPCO in Jordan, the IMF has been pushing 
for to reforming this company and fixing the debt situation of this companies for around 10 years now and the government is still not able to make decisions in fixing this issue using the word influential might be sometimes misleading but maybe we can say whether it's an effective relationship or not uh, lately it's an effective relationship but it all depends on the government's ability and willingness to implement fiscal reforms you said the influence or the effectiveness of the imf depends on the prime minister and the finance minister so i'm asking what about this specific government with this prime minister and this finance minister i think the current finance minister is a, a, a serious reformer since he joined the cabinet uh, with Dr. Omar Razaz, he was trying to push toward more of tackling tax evasion, reforming the income and sales uh, department in the ministry. So I think the current minister has, has a good relationship with the IMF, the World Bank, and decision makers in, in, in different international financial institutions. However, I don't think he's doing enough. I think the current prime minister is less reformist than the former prime minister, Dr. Omar Razaz. And last question, do you see an end date for Jordan's work with the IMF after starting to collaborate with them in the late 1980s, or will Jordan be indefinitely reliant in the Washington DC-based organization? Well, currently there is no signs of Jordan's intention uh, to become less dependent on the IMF or the World Bank or DC or any interna other international financial uh, institution. Currently, the, the, the situation is that big part of the economy is functioning because of these institutions, because they are there, because they are helping Jordan. So I don't see that happening in the next five years. That will only happen uh, if the government of Jordan implements serious reforms, structural reforms, over the course of the next five to six years, that would lead to world less uh, dependency to, on foreign aid and foreign support. Well, thank you very much, Leda. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you for interviewing me, and it's good to be talking to you again. That was Jordanian political economist Leith Alajluni. Here's what else you should know this week. On Monday, King Abdullah called Syrian President Bashar al-Assad to offer condolences for the thousands of Syrians who lost their lives in the large earthquake. It was the first call between the Hashemite Marek and Assad in over a year, amid tensions over drug smuggling across the Syrian border. On Friday, Jordan sent an aid convoy to Syria, including food and medical supplies, with Amman also dispatching a field hospital to Turkey. In other news, representatives of the Amman and Badia governorates refused to meet Prime Minister Bashar al-Hassan on Sunday. Jordan News reported that Member of Parliament Eid al-Naimat lamented a deliberate disregard for their demands for the course of three years and the lack of any response regarding Ma'an and the Badia. In December, protests erupted in Ma'an over a fuel price increase and overall economic frustrations. Before I go, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts to be notified of new episodes. And feel free to listen to previous week's episodes on the December trucker demonstrations with Balad Radio's Daoud Kutab, along with Jordan's ties with the new Netanyahu government by Axios correspondent Barak Arbid. Finally, if you're listening to the podcast, especially if you live in Jordan and think you'd be a great guest, or if you have an interesting idea for the podcast, please reach out to me on Twitter at Aaron Maggot or via email, aaron.maggot1 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.